God, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity to gather with your beautiful people in this beautiful building that you've blessed us with. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you're here with us. So we ask that you would just align our hearts to recognize your presence this morning, that we would hear your voice as you speak to us through the songs, through the reading of the word, through the preaching of the word. Lord, even through the simplest things as we visit and talk and love each other, God, that you would be speaking, that we would be hearing. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless our time as we come. We bring our meager efforts to praise you, to worship you. And Lord, you are the God who multiplies. So we're so grateful. Take our meager offering and multiply it for your glory. Amen. All right, let's worship this morning. So good, amen.
is this call to worship from Romans chapter 15, reading from the NIV this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the God that we sing to this morning.
the battle belongs to you. Let's sing that one more time. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to you amen in the darkness we
Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. Sing this out. But as we go into a time of prayer, I just want to encourage you to remain in a posture before the Lord this morning uh, that is open to to him and to what he wants to do in this place. I don't know if, you know, I know it's good to be away and to have that time to just, you know, uh, unplug and to disengage as much as you can, but um, I just feel feel an overwhelming sense of, of awe and wonder and hope this morning. Um, and I don't know if it's because I was gone last week and I'm just so glad to be here. I'm sure it is that, but I also don't want to discount what God wants to do here and now. And I think a lot of it's just in preparation for the sermon today, which is very much built on the truths of who God is and what he's capable of and what he's doing. And so I feel a little bit just kind of um, excited this morning as I've been thinking about this all week, and I don't want to feel that way alone. Amen? I want you all to anticipate what God is doing right here, right now. And it's so easy to say, well, I mean, we're here worshiping. That's what he's doing. He's receiving our worship. But gosh, I just believe that sometimes we don't give the Holy Spirit enough credit that he is constantly working in our hearts and lives to move us closer to who God wants us to be. Friends, that is powerful. We have hope today. We are not hopeless. We don't live in despair. Amen? I just want to encourage you as we engage in this time of corporate prayer together, we are the body of Christ entering a time of prayer together I want to encourage you to consider the God to whom you are praying this morning. He is mighty. He is worthy. He is risen. He is alive. He is active and he is moving here and now. Will we open ourselves up to this God and to what he wants to do right here, right now in our hearts? Would you come before him with an openness and anticipation this morning? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder this morning of the truth of who you are. God, I am just so grateful that you are a God who is with us always. There's not a place we can go that you are not present with us. 
God, that is profound. And I believe that if we, if we truly believed that, we would be filled with such hope. God, if we would just reclaim that this morning, that this God, the God we are worshiping, the God we are praising, you are with us always. And God, we just pray that you would make your presence incredibly known right here and right now in this space. God, we know that you were already here waiting for us. You came in with us. You you left our homes with us. You came in with us. You are here with us and you will leave with us. God, we know that is true, but as we take this time to intentionally pause before you and to open ourselves up to you, God, I pray that you would make yourself known in a new and powerful way this morning. God, tear down the walls that are separating us from you. Tear down the walls of pride this morning. God, I pray that you would tear down the walls of fear. God, I pray that you would tear down the walls of shame this morning. God, if anyone here is feeling an overwhelming sense of shame, God, would you remove that from them? And God, would you help us to see that in you there is no shame, but there is freedom. There is forgiveness and freedom. God, I pray that you would tear down the walls of of anger and hostility that might exist within us. God, if any of us are angry this morning or we're feeling bitter, God, would you just tear that down? God, would you replace a spirit of anger and hostility and bitterness with a spirit of grace and mercy, radical forgiveness and radical love. That is what we have received from you. And so we pray, God, that you would help us to freely give that to others. Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak to us individually, corporately, collectively. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us which wall we need torn down this morning? Would you whisper that to us? God, for those who are either here today or are listening or are not able to be here today, for those who are, who feel like they are fighting an incredible battle, for those who just feel like they are stuck in the midst of of the long, dark night, God, would you be with them? God, would you make yourself known God, would you show us again how we can best fight these battles? God, we surrender. We release 
the grips of control that we try to hold. And God, as much as it is within us, we release these things and we give it to you. We invite you to step in and to help us, Lord, to give us strength. God, we invite you to step in and fill us with peace and healing. God, we just, we don't want to rush past this moment. We open ourselves up to you. Speak to us, Lord. Would you do a new thing in us this morning? God, we thank you. We thank you for the reminders of hope that you give us. God, we thank you for reminding us that you are always with us. Thank you for being a God who makes himself known to his people. God, I pray that as we continue in this time of worship, as we open ourselves up to your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and teach us. Open up our hearts. Help us to hear. Help us to see. God, would you help us to stand or to sit or to dwell in the wonder and awe that is your truth and your word and your power. May we receive that in a fresh and new way this morning only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name this morning. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, it's good to be back with you today. I uh, missed you all last week, but so thankful for Dwight, who um, never fails to bring a, a good word, as he did last week. Um, there you are. I was looking for you. Um, I so appreciated it, Dwight. I, I loved, I mean, I'm just going to like condense the, the meaning that I took away from that message, and I just loved the reminder that a lot of times we ask God to cleanse us and to make us well and we walk away without being made whole. And that is a powerful word, my friend. And I needed that, and I received that, and I thank you for that. Um, and I just pray that we would, that we would receive that cleansing and that healing from God, but that we would walk away in, in, in wholeness as he uh, longs for us to do. Um, also, Dwight, I have to confess that your words resonated with me this week as you, you kind of talked about that you struggled to find the glue that brings it all together, and I felt that this week. I truly felt that, and I think it's because this is one of those messages um, that is, it feels hard to make practical for us. It feels really difficult to give you the exact right life application to, to take away and apply to your life. And so I think I too kind of, and I still don't, I confess, I don't know if I have the glue that kind of brings it all together, but I, I got there the best I could. Um, and I just trust that, that the Holy Spirit will stand in the gaps 
of my shortcomings and, and of the ways that I failed to bring this message together, the Holy Spirit, I'm not worried because he will, he will uh, help that all to come together for us. So I'm going to invite you all to stand this morning. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 17, and we're going to be reading a short passage this morning. We're just looking at verses 20 and 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Friends, I want to read that last part again. The kingdom of God is in your midst. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A few nights ago, Jonah and I sat down and we watched Wally. Anybody in here seen Wally, the Disney Pixar film Wally? Uh, that was the first time I had actually sat and watched the whole thing all the way through. Uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with the movie Wally, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a snapshot of what that film is about. The film Wally is about this, it's this fictional futuristic depiction of humans who, are, who have the opportunity to leave Earth. Okay, and they're leaving Earth because Earth has been uh, taken over by their garbage and their filth, and there is no longer uh, space or room for new life to grow, right? Plants and animals can no longer live and thrive here, and it's probably not all that great for the humans either, and so they, it's a very futuristic reality, and so they have this luxury of boarding a spaceship and and taking off into space, and they're just going to hang out there for as long as it takes. And someone else is going to come in and is going to completely clean the earth and remove all of its garbage and filth. The movie is completely unrealistic, obviously, as you can tell whether you've seen it or not. But I have to tell you that I was still a little struck and it it stung a little just this this depiction of, of the worst fear of what rampant consumerism and corporate greed can do, right? Like it was like this... This eerie picture of, ooh, wow, yeah, that's really not pretty, and that feels a little relatable uh, if this thing keeps going the way it does with our, with our greed and our consumption, right? But, but the interesting thing about this movie is that humans get to just leave. Like, they beam out, and they just leave, and, and someone else gets to take care of all the mess that they leave behind, and that someone else are these little robots called Wally robots, and, and it, you see, it took a lot longer than anyone anticipated. I think the, the time frame was five years that they would be gone, but it ends up being something like seven centuries that they are gone. Right? And, and after all that time, a lot of the Wally robots are inactive except for this one, this creative Wally robot who is able to keep himself going by collecting all these random unused parts that have been left behind in all of this mess. And there's this really uh, beautiful part of the movie, kind of at the beginning, where Wally's just doing his thing, right? He's just cubing up the garbage and piling it sky high. And he comes across this old boot, and out of this old, dusty, falling-apart boot is this green plant that is growing. 
I think we have a picture of it. When Wally finds this, this boot with this green plant that's growing. It's there somewhere. And, and so he finds this plant. There he is. And, and see, it, it turns out that there are some other robots that are coming back to Earth to look for signs of life periodically. And so it just so happens, conveniently enough, shortly after Wally finds this plant, one of, this, one of these robots that are coming back to look for signs of life, her name is Eve, she comes and she finds this plant after meeting Wally and, and they're you know, trying to figure out how to understand one another. And she takes this plant because she's been programmed to see signs of life. I need to take this back to the mothership. And so she takes it back and she, she's beamed up out of into space from the earth and Wally follows her and it kind of starts this wild goose chase all throughout the galaxy as he's chasing this robot because he's been longing for some company, right? And so it's this beautiful idea uh, well, it's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a rude awakening as we imagine like our tendency to not only um, consume a lot and to not really care about what we're consuming, but there's also this idea that stood out to me that I think we can relate to. This idea that I think sometimes we think that how great would it be if we could just leave this place if we could just leave this messy, mucky world, if we could just be removed and and leave the mess and the muck for someone else to deal with. Wouldn't that be so great? I think we can relate to this idea that, that we would like to escape from this mess, by the way, the mess that we ourselves have contributed to in some way or another. How great would it be, would it be if we could just leave Right? Leave, leave the mess for someone else to deal with while we spend time in this beautiful, luxurious place being catered to as the humans in this movie, as they experienced. We've talked about this before. I've talked about this with you all before, probably several times, about this idea that, that sometimes we as Christians, we long to escape this garbage-strown wasteland of a world. Right? We see it for what it is, and we want to escape. And, and here's the thing. We, we end up communicating these feelings in some way or another to the rest of the world. There are times when, when we will communicate to the world, we don't want to be here. We don't belong here, and we don't want to be here with you. Right? We, we see this in, in music, I've heard lyrics before that communicate something along the lines of, this world is not my home, right? Take this world and give me Jesus. This, this is not where I belong. I'm not knocking that song, but that really does speak to the longings and desires that we have to just remove, remove from the world. There's, there's brands out there that have branded themselves on the fact that we are not of this world. We don't belong here. We don't want to be here. We just want to leave, right? And here's the thing. I get it. I am not here to, to condemn or to criticize those of you who feel this and who say, yeah, yeah, I feel that. That's me right? Because I've been there. I've communicated these things along the way. It is very easy to to feel this deeply, that this world is a mess. I don't belong here, and I just want to leave. Beam me up, Jesus, right? And I know what we typically mean 
when we say these things or when we sing these things or when we communicate these ideas, I know that what we are really communicating is that we long and we grieve the brokenness of this world and we long to be with Jesus. Hang with me here. A few weeks ago, we we looked at the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. You remember that? And, And one of the things we talked about is how Christians a lot of times will look at this passage and from this passage, they will receive certain ideas and thoughts on hell. And because that is what we tend to focus on when we look at Luke chapter 16 in that story, we are often um, in danger of missing what Jesus really wanted us to take from that story, which was not necessarily an exact picture of what hell's going to be like and just how hot it's going to be. You remember that? I tried to caution us, like, let's not get so focused on that part of the passage. I don't think that's what Jesus intended for us to focus on. And so similarly, as we are looking at these two short verses that are in the midst of a bigger uh, passage, My fear is that we could easily look at this passage as a whole, and it's honestly why we're not looking at the whole passage this morning. We can look at, at this passage in Luke chapter 19 or chapter 17, and we can take from it this idea that one day we're just gonna be beamed up, we're gonna be taken up, and we're gonna escape the muck and the mess of this world, and basically we're just holding on until that day comes. Right? I think we can look at this passage, and, and, and from this passage, we receive sometimes problematic depic- depictions of the end times that I don't think are meant to be there. Right? I, I leaned heavily on, on scholarly voices this week because I have my own thoughts and ideas about this, but I wanted to make sure that was grounded in some, some truth and something stable and sturdy And so I appreciate how N.T. Wright, you know, that's where I'm going. N.T. Wright, I appreciate that he points out that from this passage, Christians tend to lean into this idea of being snatched up into heaven, leaving all of our mess behind for others to deal with, right? We're being snatched up into heaven and the rest of the world has got to figure out how to survive this apocalypse that is going to take place. And N.T. Wright and other scholars talk about that may not even be what Jesus is talking about here. There seems to be a a heavy connection between this passage in Luke chapter 17 as a whole and what happens later when when Jerusalem is is taken over in, in 70 AD and Jesus is warning of this, right? And so scholars say, be careful. Don't, don't take from this passage things that it was not meant to, that it did not mean to communicate. But that's not really what we're focusing on this morning. Just acknowledging that as a whole, this is one of those chapters or passages that can leave us feeling or, or seeing something that Jesus didn't necessarily maybe intend for us to see or to feel. What I want us to focus on this morning is that the Pharisees They had been anxiously waiting for the kingdom of God. But more so, they were waiting on a very specific sign that the kingdom of God was here. And and the problem is the Pharisees were waiting for a very specific sign that came in the form of a, a political or national authority Right? They were looking for political and national power. And and so they were fixed on, on seeing these things. 
And when they weren't seeing these things and when they hear this Jesus claiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, they have some questions because they have a particular idea of what the kingdom of God at hand looks like for them. And it doesn't seem to match up with Jesus, this Jesus idea of the kingdom of God. And so they come to him and they ask for, they ask this very specific question, right? How will we know? Show us. What signs can we wait and look for? And you might notice how Jesus doesn't specifically answer or address those questions. He kind of takes it and turns and goes in a a little bit of a different direction. And I wonder if that's because Jesus knows that the Pharisees are so preoccupied with these particular ideas and thoughts, even though Jesus has long been declaring that the kingdom of God is here. You keep looking for it, and you're looking for a particular sign, and you're waiting on something that you are not going to see. But instead, he's trying to help them to understand, no, it's already here. It's already in your midst. And so, as always, I I sympathize. I I understand our tendencies to, to kind of criticize this way of thinking, to criticize the Pharisees. And also, I just want to acknowledge that it's so much easier for us, certainly, as we're just reading this story. We're not living it, right? We're just reading it. We flip the page, and we know what happens next, and the Pharisees didn't have that luxury. I mean, they kind of did, but not, not in the same way we do. And so we understand that, that even though Jesus says this several times, it would have been easy to miss. And can I say that it is still easy for us to miss the truth of what Jesus is saying, that the kingdom of God is indeed here and now. When we read these things, which by the way, I have to say that as we've gone through the gospel of Luke, and as I was thinking about this passage this week, I, I started to realize that everything Jesus has been saying and doing, it all flows from this idea that the kingdom of God is near, right? It's a pretty simple concept, right? But like this, these two verses, these hold some important and profound truths about who Jesus was and what he's been doing this whole time, and, and, and it's not just in the Gospel of Luke, it's in all of the Gospels, particularly the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus, they differ on a lot of things, those Gospels, in terms of what happened in order and who was there, and, and right, like their different perspectives are being presented. But one similarity in all three Synoptic Gospels is that Jesus, at particular moments, does say, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Or repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He uses those two interchangeably. Essentially, they they mean the same thing. But I confess, we ought to confess that when we hear this phrase, the kingdom of God, or even more so, the kingdom of heaven, what do we think of? We, We tend to have a very particular idea in mind of what that means. And it's strictly eschatological, which is a fancy way of saying that it's strictly thinking of eternity and, and judgment and death. That's what is, comes to mind when we think about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We don't necessarily think right here, right now, because I'm thinking of what that means for me in the future when I don't have to be here anymore or deal with this anymore because I'll be with Jesus. And right here in this passage, 
I don't think this is the first time, but certainly here in this passage, Jesus points to attention. That it, this is a both and kind of reality. And you know it's coming. We've talked about it many times. That here in this moment, we are reminded that the kingdom of God is both here and now and yet to come. In other words, it's what? Already not yet. We talk about that a lot, right? And Jesus is reminding us here in this passage, it's already here and it is to come. Everything Jesus has sought to teach and all that he has set out to do involves the kingdom of God, which is at hand, ready to be experienced here and now. And as this is our 16th week in the Gospel of Luke, maybe, it's, maybe I've lost track, but that may be wrong, but it's something like 16 weeks we've been in the Gospel of Luke. And we can go back and see how, how this truth is in each and every passage, each and every week we are reminded that all that Jesus is doing is to declare and to reveal that the kingdom of God is at hand. And for the Luke in Jesus, That means that the kingdom of God is seen and realized as the poor are given what they need. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the hungry are finally fed. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the lame are made to walk. For the Luke and Jesus, the kingdom is here, it's at hand, it is seen and realized as the blind are made to see. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the outcast is finally welcomed in. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the marginalized are finally invited to the table. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the lost are found and are invited back home. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the lowly are lifted up. The kingdom of God is seen and realized as the oppressed are finally set free. The kingdom of God in the gospel of Luke is seen and realized as the dead are raised to life. The kingdom of God is both here and now and not yet. And Jesus is trying so hard to teach the Pharisees, to show the Pharisees while teaching the disciples to stop waiting on a particular sign, right? To to stop waiting for a particular power. Stop waiting to be whisked away while the rest of the world burns up or goes to hell in a handbasket. And instead, we are invited to see how the kingdom of God is breaking through in their midst and they are called to repent and participate. For Luke as it was for Jesus, the kingdom of God certainly was, but is not entirely a future kingdom. It was and is to be recognized and acknowledged here and now. And so as we acknowledge these truths about what the kingdom of God is and and what it means for the Luke Jesus to to declare that the kingdom of God is here and now, while we acknowledge these truths, there are particular truths that are to be discovered in terms of what the kingdom of God is not. And so as we learn what the kingdom of God is, as Jesus declares that it's near, we learn what the kingdom of God isn't. And Jesus reminds us that the kingdom of God is not a political reality. We struggle with this one. We try to mix the two. We say we don't but we do. 
We try to combine these two. And, and when we see good things in, in one reality, we think, oh, yeah, okay, finally, here it is. And when we see bad things in, a, in the political reality, we think, oh, goodness gracious, we got to fix this so Jesus can, can finally come and do what we're waiting for him to, right? We're not waiting on a political reality to be realized. The kingdom of God is is not foreseen from specific signs, regardless of what anyone among us tells us. Jesus tells us where the kingdom of God is and when it's coming and how it's coming. We don't receive that from any other person. The kingdom of God is not realized by works alone or simply by checking boxes. The kingdom of God is is not about us being snatched away while the rest of the world burns. But it's hard and it's frustrating because also the kingdom of God is not always entirely observable in the way we would like it to be. We want to see what's happening. We want to see what's going on. We want to see all the ways in which God is working. And a lot of times it's working beneath the surface in amazing and powerful ways, but in ways that we cannot see, touch, and feel, and that's difficult for us. It's as Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 9, when he says that the kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed, right? It's hard to see. Sometimes you can't hardly see it. You can't hardly touch it and feel it, but it's there, The kingdom of God is rooted in and among us, and the kingdom of God is working and moving in ways that we cannot see. And we are invited to faithfully partner with God to help the world see the ways in which the kingdom of God is here and now, changing realities, changing lives, making all things new today, while anticipating what God will do tomorrow and in the days to come. And so as we kind of wrestle with all this, see, I told you it was going to be really hard to glue all of this together. As we wrestle with all of this, and as we sit in in the tension of all of this, I wonder, here's what I wonder, and here's where the seemingly random Wally illustration comes back into play. You may have already picked up on it. You're smart. You probably did. Is it possible, church, that we are more like the humans on Wally than we might think at first? Is it possible that we simply want to just escape this world and the mess of this world, again, the mess that we have contributed to? Is it possible that we just want to escape and leave all of this mess for God to fix? Just fix it all, Lord, and take us to the new place that's going to be nice and new and perfect Get us out of here. Is it possible that that we misinterpret passages like this one to mean that we are simply waiting around to be beamed up into heaven, leaving this mess behind for someone else to deal with? I appreciate how author Dan White Jr. puts it. He says, we are trying to blaze up an escalator, but God is on his way down and we're kind of missing him. Right? Like God is on his way down. God is moving in. God has already been moving in. He's already been coming down here to renew and to bring the kingdom of God here and now. And we just want to be blazed up on that heavenly escalator. And so we're, we're missing him. 
Is it possible that we easily forget that the kingdom of God is both not yet and already, and that each and every day, the provenient grace of God is working, it's going before, it's active, it's moving, maybe in small, seemingly insignificant ways, but God is continuously making all things new? Church, is it possible that you and I easily forget that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in what God is doing here and now. We have not been invited to sit on the sidelines and watch it all explode in the background. We're not invited to a grand movie theater where we're just snacking on popcorn, watching the world go up in flames, saying, oh yeah, well, if you would have listened, if you... You know, you knew it, whatever. We are invited to step in and to participate in all that God is doing here and now because he's doing something good. Here's the thing. I don't want to undermine that we, listen, we experience heavy, incredibly difficult things on this earth that cause us to grieve and to lament as we anxiously wait for Jesus to make all things right once and for all. I don't want to discount that. I feel that. I promise you, I allow myself, maybe sometimes too much permission, too too much permission to sit in the ugly reality of the grief of this world and just lament. Sometimes all I want to do is just lament, lament, lament. Scripture has room for lamenting. We are invited to lament. We are invited to grieve. And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't be grieving or lamenting or that there aren't days where we are just anxiously waiting for Jesus to make all things right again. I do not mean to stand up here and say that we shouldn't struggle and long and lament and grieve we really truly do anticipate the day when Jesus will be with us fully and there will be no gap, no in-between, amen? We long for that, we do. It would be a lie to say that we don't or that you shouldn't. However, let us not lose sight of what God is doing here and now and yes, even through us, through us, his church, Church, what else are we here for? This world needs a thicker presence, not less. We carry the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and he empowers us to be an incarnate presence in our world. And rather than just seeking to escape, we seek to participate in what God is doing here and now. Friends, we are in the middle of the mystery of this profound truth. It's a hard place to be sometimes. But if I could just lean on N.T. Wright once again, he describes how we are to function in the middle of that mystery. He says of this passage, it isn't the sort of thing that's just going to happen so you can sit back and watch. But God's sovereign plan to put the world to right is waiting for you to sign on. And that is the force of what Jesus is saying. We could wrestle with that a little bit, right? 
God is doing something, whether we sign on or not, I would say. But we are called to participate. We are invited to participate. And what is it that we might be missing in our midst if we aren't participating? There's a, there's a tension there. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know if you feel the anticipation. I hope you sense the anticipation I want to encourage you that God never stops moving. He never stops working, and he is working right now to heal and to renew and to restore all things, and we are invited to participate. So I want you to consider this morning how you will participate in the new things that God wants to do in your relationships. How will you participate in the new thing that God wants to do in your homes? Did you know God wants to do a new thing in your home? How will you participate in the new thing that God wants to do in your workplaces with those employees that you can hardly stand to be around? Isn't it exciting to think about those obnoxious employees and what God wants to do in and through you to love them and to show them the love and goodness and grace of God? Amen? I know, you might have to muster up a phony amen. (laughs) Friends, how are you being invited to participate in all that God is doing in your schools, in your kids' schools? How are you invited to participate in all that God is doing in your local coffee shop or your local gym? How are we participating in what God is doing to make new our rundown neighborhoods and in our fancy finest neighborhoods. What's God doing there and how are we participating? How are we participating in what God is doing in our daycares, in our grocery stores, in our gas stations, in our apartment complexes, in homeless shelters? How can we participate in the new and good thing that God is doing in prisons, in recovery programs, in rehabilitation centers? How can we participate in the good that God is doing right here in our church, in our Sunday school classes, in our small groups, on our church board, in our children's church? Friends, how can we participate in the new thing that God is doing because the kingdom is here and now and God is doing something good? Will we participate? I don't want to miss it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. I want us to participate. As we, as we try to wrestle with this idea that the kingdom of God is not entirely a future kingdom, it was and is to be recognized and acknowledged as something that is happening here and now and not yet. I love how the movie Wally ends. And, and here's the thing about the ending of Wally. See, just as easily as we can miss the signs of life all around if we're not looking for it or paying attention, it'd be really easy to miss the signs of life that show up because they show up during the credits. It's kind of a bummer, but you'd have to be one of those people that like watches the movie all the way through, even through the credits, because it's in the credits that you... Because I was kind of holding on to that plant, <laughs> Like once that plant showed up, I was like, ooh, signs of life. 
yes, I love signs of life. I'm waiting to see what happens with that. And then the movie ends and you're like, they're still in the middle of the garbage. Where's the plant? And so you have to watch the credits and then you see that they beautifully illustrate how that plant was planted. If we can show that slide, that little plant in an old dusty boot was planted and it grows and you can't see what it's doing but it grows and it grows to be this beautiful tree that you see Wally and Eve are resting under. Jesus says, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and it became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. I'm going to invite the praise team to come as we contemplate, friends, church, that you and I have been given an incredible responsibility. That's like my holy charge for us this morning is to remind us that we have been given this incredible responsibility to steward the presence of the kingdom of God on earth. Do you hear that? You've been given the responsibility to steward the presence of the kingdom of God on this earth. How are you doing that? How are we doing that? Are we faithfully doing that? How are we participating in what God is doing here and now? Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is good and useful even when we struggle to understand fully what it means. And even if we think we have a a slight grasp on, on maybe what you're trying to say and what it means, thank you, God, that your word is still useful as we try to figure out how to do what your word instructs in our lives every day. God, I'm humbled this morning as I declare this truth that the kingdom of God is absolutely in our midst, that we carry the presence of Jesus, we carry the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go. And because of that, the kingdom of God is always active. It's always working and moving, and it's always in our midst. God, I pray that as we contemplate these things, that we would be reminded, not just because I'm saying it, but Holy Spirit, would you anoint these words and fill us with a renewed hope and a renewed strength and a renewed passion and a renewed vision as we are reminded that nothing is impossible for us who go forth into this world invested with Jesus' power as witnesses of the kingdom. That you work in and through our broken mess. And so really, there are signs of life all around. Your goodness is all around. God, would you give us eyes to see? Would you fill us with awe and wonder as we seek to partner 
and to participate in all that you're doing here and now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand if you're able, if you would like to. Feel free to worship in your own way. The altars are open. I love how the Holy Spirit brings all the pieces together. I didn't really plan that, but I was struck as she was speaking that may we be people like Wally who dig through the garbage and through the mess looking for God's goodness, expecting it, seeking it. And in the moments when we don't see it, let us remember the goodness that we have seen. Amen.
if you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. You have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God I do love how what Nikki highlighted there at the end, and it made me think that as we uh, prepare to leave and to go out into the world and to hopefully put, you know, even though I didn't give you like an exact practical application, um, Nikki kind of did. And so what my hope and my prayer for us is that as we go in just a moment, I want to encourage you to look for, here's the thing, it's not going to be hard. This part's going to be really easy, to look for the garbage, (laughs) to find the garbage, right? Because it's already there. You don't have to look very far. Like when something starts to kind of smell a little bit and you're like, oh, I just don't even want to deal with that. Like, can someone else take out the trash this time? Because I just can't even. When that happens, it'll probably happen really soon. I hope and pray that we will anticipate almost excitedly like, oh goody, where's the signs of life going to be? Where's the sign of life going to be? Where's the little green plant going to be found? Because it's there. And so I hope that we are filled with a great anticipation as we go and search for those signs of life. Amen? Amen. Well, just before I let you go, let me share a few quick announcements with you this morning. Um, October is a busy month. There's a lot going on. It feels like it's already flying by, uh, but I just want to remind you before the month is completely gone that this month we are collecting uh, for the Operation Christmas Child boxes, we are collecting socks and notebooks. Uh, we're trying to get the last few things collected. We're going to be packing those really soon with the homeschool group uh, that meets here on Wednesdays. And so uh, that's what we're collecting this month. If you're looking to bring those in, socks, any sizes, but women's sizes, as as we've said, are usually pretty universal for everyone. So any any size of women's socks and notebooks, okay? Uh, next weekend, so this is coming up this Friday night, this next coming Friday night, October 14th, we'll be gathering at Eckert's and Millstadt for an all-church fall celebration, because fall is here and we want to celebrate it, right? Um, I want to encourage you to invite friends. If you have friends uh, that you think would like to join us, invite them. We promise not to scare them away. We will love them, and we will be glad to meet them. We'll be glad that they are there. So maybe this week, think about who you can invite. Who's dealing with a lot of garbage in their life, and you can invite them to come to to hang out with us, and hopefully will be signs of life for them, right? So just be thinking about that. 
you can purchase your tickets online. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to look too far before you find a link. I know I sent one out in the newsletter this week. There's a link where you can go to purchase your tickets. Uh, each family is responsible for your tickets per person, so just don't forget about that small detail. Uh, Restore Network for a few more weeks is going to be collecting fall pajamas and diapers. We're going to be collecting those until the 16th of this month. So if you haven't been able to grab any of those items, uh, just don't forget that that deadline is quickly approaching. Um, You can drop those off in the foyer as usual. Uh, Sunday, October 30th, we are going to have a potluck. Um, I'm excited as we can uh, sit around the table together, share a meal together, and just fellowship with one another. Details are in the foyer. I believe there's a sign-up sheet out there that you should go look at and just um, as you plan and prepare for that. Um, and then I have added this one. If I don't know. I know we have a graphic around somewhere that's advertising that this is happening, but I want to let you know that on Saturday, November 5th, uh, here at the church, we are going to be hosting for our neighbors kind of an informational gathering for our community garden. So uh, the community garden is, is kind of, they are working a lot at this point, and Craig is doing a lot of work behind the scenes as we are preparing uh, for the spring of 2023 and for the launch of our community garden. And so at this point, we're trying to spread the word to our local neighbors here in Lake Christine uh, and some across the street in those neighborhoods as well. And we're letting them know that if you want to find out more about our community garden, we're going to be hosting that gathering on Saturday, November 5th. You do not have to come, but you are more than welcome to come um, as we, we're going to have some, some hot apple cider and we're going to sit around uh, fire pits and we're just going to share that vision with our neighbors and we hope that, that they will feel some excitement and some anticipation as we uh, hopefully partner together for that. So um, be looking for those details. Um, we'll be continue, uh, continuing to send those out to you all, okay? All right, so at this time, I'm going to invite you all to stand. Receive this benediction this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May you go and anticipate all that the kingdom of God is doing in your midst, and may you seek to participate, and may you be empowered by the Holy Spirit within you to participate in all that God is doing. You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a great day.